0: Well, good morning again. Uh, Welcome to those of you joining us for the second hour of Mornings with Carmen today. All right, so um, I have a text message, actually a direct message on Twitter um, from uh, a listener who is copying someone else's tweet. That person says, someone at my church has decided to give subscriptions. They then list a couple of newspapers um, that have pretty significant paywalls. Uh, So they've decided to give subscriptions to these newspapers as a form of encouragement to people To stay plugged in. That's also a great encouragement, obviously, to people who work at those newspapers. Um, And then this listener is saying, Well, what could we give? What could we gift to people? So here are, uh, I don't know, three ideas off the top of my head. So you could buy a subscription to Right Now Media for your entire congregation. It's actually not very expensive, and it would give everyone in your entire congregation access to the absolutely best, largest uh, library of uh, video material for children. Youth, young adults, adults in, in in terms of Christian media, and so um, check out right now media and consider buying a gift subscription for your entire congregation. Like that, that's cool. Um, you could participate in Lifeways Stay on the Same Page campaign. So here's what Lifeways doing: they have uh, reduced the price of many, many, many of their books. You can now buy those in bulk. You could then set up like a drive-through, everybody come get a book uh, on you know on this day, and you're going to hand out a reading guide with that that's going to have dates and times listed on it, like what day we're going to be on what page, and then you're going to meet in an online discussion group so that everybody can stay on the same page even when you can't get together and meet face-to-face. So that's, a, that's something that LifeWay is doing. You can also find that through um, B&H, which is the publishing arm of LifeWay. So there you go. A gift subscription for your whole congregation to right now. Media would be a cool option. Um, Participate in LifeWay's Stay on the Same Page campaign. Um, Here's another one that I was alerted to yesterday. Um, So I might not want I might not be comfortable going and necessarily even getting takeout food from uh, from a local restaurant right now. Like I would rather just cook at home, but I want to support local small businesses. I want to I want them to still be in business um, six months from now or a year from now. So here's the idea. You actually go and buy gift cards now. Go, go buy gift certificates from the nail salon. Buy gift certificates from the place that you ordinarily go to get your, uh, your hair colored or cut, but you're not going to do that right now. Buy gift certificates to local restaurants. Um, you know, it's like the pledge of a promise that I'm going to support you later. I, I expect you to still be around and I'm going to give you the cash now um, and you're going to give me the service later. So um, gift cards, gift certificates to local restaurants, local, um, small local businesses that you ordinarily go to, but right now you're not going, um, it's the promise or the pledge that, hey, I I want you to be a part of my life when things get back to whatever our new normal is gonna be, and I am gonna actually give you the cash now to keep you operational, and then you're gonna provide the service for me down the road. So there you go. There's just a few ideas for things that you could do today um, that would provide some encouragement and some hope, also a way of keeping uh, Christians connected with really good media and in in book discussion groups. All right. Thanks, uh, Jessica, for asking that question uh, via direct message on Twitter. You can always ask me questions via the text line 877-933-2484. Or you can always email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, Next up, I've got Erin Paskey. Uh, So you and I um, are at home with our kids, and that is a new educational experience for them and for us. Um, Erin has been a classroom teacher. She has also taught um, as a private instructor in the home, um, and she's now an online mentor for kids who have struggles with reading. So all kinds of good information from Erin Paskey up next. We'll be right back. Erin Paskey joins me now. She's the director of the Nashville Dyslexia Center. Don't let that scare you away. Uh, Aaron. welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. So the, um, sometimes the words um, scare us away. Um, but really, when we're talking about dyslexia, we're we're talking about any child who is having a struggle uh, learning to read and reading at their grade level, right?
2: You're on the right track. Dyslexia is extremely common, and in fact, it's one of the most common learning disabilities. The Yale Center for Dyslexia and Creativity states that about one in five students has dyslexia to some degree. So, if a parent is concerned about their child's reading, it's very likely that it could be dyslexia.
0: All right, so we're not going to be um, we're not going to be afraid of uh, of the label because I want people to check out what you're doing at NashvilleDyslexiaCenter.com, dot com. Um, in part because we want them to have access to really good online resources, um, and we want to talk about online resources. We want to talk about online mentoring today, um, but I kind of want to back up to get the big picture. You have Uh, served as a classroom teacher. You've served as a private teacher for kids at home. And now you mentor kids um, both in person and online. So um, maybe let's just start with um, now that we're all at home with our kids and we are expected to be educators, but we're not educators. um, What would be like one starting point of encouragement that you would give to parents who are now at home with their kids with the responsibility to educate them there?
2: I would let parents know that they should not try to replicate a school day at home. Take some of the burden off of yourself. We send kids to school for six to eight hours a day, and that's not what you ought to try to do at home. When you educate at home, it's extremely efficient and so take time to do other things that you enjoy and take time to learn things that you've been wanting to learn for quite a while. So parents, you can do this. You do not need to have an education degree to give your child a really good educational experience during this interim period.
0: Okay. So, but what do we need to know? I mean, are is there some structure and content in educational theory? I mean, at the intersection of my practical reality that I'm still expected to be working even though I'm at home, and now they're at home, and now I feel like I have a second job.
2: I totally understand the pressures that parents are facing. It is a lot to think about, and it's not as though parents have had time to prepare for these things. So I'm going to offer some ideas, especially for those parents whose schools have not provided take home work, or perhaps they don't have the resources that, you know, some other schools might have. So I would say prioritize. Think about what is most important for your child. And I would start with spiritual education. Being home together, this is the perfect opportunity to grow spiritually as a family. And if your family hasn't been in the habit of doing a Bible study together, this is the best way to start your day. And it can be as simple as choosing a chapter in a book of the Bible, read it together, pray about it, and see what your children really believe. You know, I think sometimes our families are so busy and we take it for granted that our children are soaking up the things in church, but they're exposed to a lot of ideas um, in the culture and at school. So this is a great time to lead your family closer to God. Um, I would also, after that, I would pick the big subjects to focus on. Reading, of course, is one of those big subjects, and math. And I'll primarily focus on reading because that's my expertise. But make it enjoyable for your family. Do read alouds. Now, there are lots of books available online, and you can listen to audiobooks as well if you don't have access to ebooks. But there are certain kinds of books I think that are better than others to read aloud to your children. I like to look for books that are classics for a couple of reasons. First, classic books were often written to read aloud to families. And if you don't want to do the reading aloud, maybe one of your children could do it for you. Classic books often have great sentence structure, they have rich vocabulary they were meant to be read aloud and discussed prior to all of this age of technology. And they're going to be filled with richer ideas and things to think about. And after you read aloud to your children, ask them open-ended questions, you know, ask them, of course, the main elements of the story, you know, who is in the story, what are they doing? What is the setting? And so on and so forth. But ask them things like describe the main character. What motivates that character? Does he change over time? And you'll discover that your child has thought deeply about these things. They're going to grow in their character as they read about these great characters in books. And if you're not sure which books to read, just type into Google classic books, and a lot of them are going to be available on the public domain. Um, While children are listening to books, they don't need to be sitting still in a desk as you picture in schools. Let them play quietly while they're listening to you. Let them draw. Let them play with Legos, and then let them respond to what they're hearing. Um, especially young kids, they might like to act out what they've been hearing here. Um, let them create a play. Let them draw in response, and or let them write, depending on the age of the child. Here, you can make this a really rich family time, and you can even revisit some of your family's favorite stories from long ago.
0: So and that's you can what get- I. Would- so, and I love this. So I love the um, read to, and then maybe you read to me, or we read around in a circle if um, if if people are at a reading level that they can do that. And then we discuss it, and then we figure out how we're going to teach it, right? Because that's kind of the, you know, if you're going to put it on paper, or you're going to act it out. That's really sort of the act of teaching it to someone else. And it occurs to me, um, Aaron, that I, I have learned something if I am able to teach it to someone else.
2: Exactly. You know, from my time as a homeschool teacher, I learned that one of the best ways to assess comprehension is to have a child retell a story, and you will find out exactly what they understood and what they didn't understand, and that gives you a further opportunity to develop their comprehension. Then,
0: I love that. All right, you and I have to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. I'm talking with Erin Paskey. Uh, She's the director of the Nashville Dyslexia Center. You can you can find her online at nashvilledyslexiacenter.com we'll be right back continuing my conversation with Aaron Paskey she's the director of the Nashville Dyslexia Center Erin, um, Aaron let's uh let's talk about individual kids and what it means to become the student of my child in order that I can help my child learn in a way that's appropriate to the way they think.
2: You know, this homeschooling opportunity is going to give parents a much greater insight into their child's academic abilities than any school experience could. I think parents are going to find out very quickly what their child's strengths are and where they need help. So parents, you'll find out that some of your children are very strong if they listen to information. And so you'll want to provide information orally to them as much as possible. And other students are going to thrive when they read information. So we call those uh, different modalities of learning. And I think some parents also are going to find that their child struggles in some areas. And so since my business is with struggling readers, I want to give the listeners just a couple of things to consider and to think about and to watch for as they're spending this time with their children. Listen to your child read aloud. And I'm specifically talking more so about elementary age children's uh, children, excuse me, um, but even some older children in middle school and high school. You'll learn a lot by listening to them read aloud. If your child is struggling to sound out words, If your child is skipping over little words, for example, or seems to be guessing at words, they're lacking those decoding skills, you want to take note. And there may be a point at which you need to find additional resources and that's where I've seen a lot of growth, even in the last week or two, with teachers who have come online and they're offering help for kids who are struggling or parents who just need that additional resource. So and that's where um, my business has taken a turn. Also, we have gone from in-person tutoring to remote tutoring for those struggling readers. And I have to say, The children are responding really well. So don't be afraid to reach out and find additional resources if you need to. Do the things you can do at home and then look for help when you
0: need it. So it occurs to me that um, once you're online, then it doesn't really matter geographically where you're located. And so even though, um, you know, a few weeks ago we might have said, hey, the Nashville Dyslexia Center is for people you know, in, this, in a particular area code. Um, now we would say, you know, it's, there, there's online opportunities to get the kind of help that, um, that we discover that our kids need and that maybe we discover, Aaron, we're not equipped to provide. I, I just recognize that there are, um, there are some things that, you know, when I say, okay, we'll just sound it out. If hmm. the child can't just sound it out, I, I have to think through what are ways I could lead him or her to do that, and I just may not be equipped to do that. I just So I might need some outside resources in this time. I can certainly reach out to my, uh, my kid's teacher, but obviously it's not happening in the classroom they're currently in, or we wouldn't be having this particular struggle. And so we, wanna, we want to sort of free up parents to reach out and get additional help. Um, that's available now online across the country, around the world, um, and so this is just you know, Erin is Erin uh, is one of many people who uh, who are doing this. But you can visit her at NashvilleDyslexiaCenter.com dot com and get some resources and ask some questions as well. Erin, um, in addition to um, uh, in addition to the things that we've talked about, is there anything else that you want to say to parents today as they embrace this? new season of homeschooling.
2: Enjoy your children. This is a wonderful opportunity to reconnect as a family, to slow down, to further develop your relationships with them and to train them. As parents, the responsibility is to lead your child to the Lord. And so I would say make that the priority and find things to do together, play games, grow as a family, and you're going to come out stronger through all of these experiences. Your family is going to be better able to weather any storm, and your children will know how to lean on the Lord in times of trouble, because they're going to see you do it, and you're going to be training them to do it as well.
0: All right. So we um, are taking your uh, counsel and putting it into practice. We have uh, eggs in the incubator. So in 21 days, we'll have baby chicks to deal with. And um, uh, we also have started our little garden seeds. So we are uh, we're we're doing things actively in addition to the uh, the schoolwork that um, that we're trying to keep up with. So, Aaron, thank you so much uh, for your encouragement today. Again, you guys can find Aaron Paskey at Nashville Dyslexia We'll be right back. Okay, here's just uh, one social media app that has already uh, gone viral. People who want to voice chat via a chat app with people who are quarantined around the world can get the quarantine chat app. There you go. Quarantine chat app. If you want to sort of like minister to people who are quarantined. There you go. That's a good idea. All right. Uh, We have a listener, Tammy, who texted in. Uh, Some of us are actually handwriting chapters and books of the Bible during this time. We've written Psalm 91 and Psalm 46. I find that the words stick with us during the day better when we actually write them down. Uh, She says her BSF group is also uh, in the process of figuring out how to have an online discussion. Um, So let me just say that you can use Zoom and Google Hangout for free in terms of video chatting with other people. Um, And uh, Facebook Live is great, except it only works for like one person actually talking on the screen at a time or people who are in the same room talking and then everybody else has to type chat. And so just, you know, just as a thought. Uh, Wait, sorry, what'd you say, Paul? Skype. What, okay, tell me about Skype. How, well, how would I you, you the can do a group on Skype? You can put a group together on Skype pretty easily. We, we did it yeah. yesterday. We had a mem- Our staff had a staff meeting using Skype. And oh, it we did? Up, yeah. See, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Mysteries. This <laughs> is mysterious. There you go. All right, so thank you. So Skype, apparently we can create groups in Skype as well. There you go. Um, all right, so all kinds of stuff that's available. Do not allow this to be a time that your small group falls apart. Um, instead, Use this as a unique time to start meeting in a different way. Um, Just think about it this way you could now include people who have uh, not been able to ever join a group because they've been shut in. And now we're all shut in. And so we are all working very aggressively to figure out how to not lose contact with one another. Okay, um, next up, uh, I'm going to have Marcus Doe here on the show. He's the author of catching rice birds. This is a personal testimony you don't want to miss.
1: It is not God's will that you face every day with dread and trepidation. This is Max Locato. I have a childhood memory that I cherish. My father loved cornbread and buttermilk. About 10 o'clock each night, he would meander into the kitchen and crumble a piece of cornbread into a glass of buttermilk, stand at the counter and drink it. Then he'd make the rounds to the front and back doors, checking the locks. Once everything was secure, he would step into the bedroom I shared with my brother and say something like, Everything is secure, boys. You can go to sleep now. I have no inclination to believe that God loves cornbread and buttermilk, but I do believe he loves his children. He keeps everything secure. He oversees your world, and by his power, you will be anxious for nothing and discover the peace that passes all understanding. This is Max Locato.
3: I oh, you are better than
0: all these things. Joining me now via Skype, Marcus Doe, author of "Catching Rice Birds," you are going to want to check out the website, "Catching or Chasing Rice Birds," chasingricebirds.com. Uh, Marcus, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
3: Good morning, Carmen. How are you?
0: Good morning. I am well. I am well. All right. So um, I have. I don't want to spoil your story by asking questions that give away too much. So what I would very much like to do is walk through um uh maybe the uh the rhythms of your life the the four movements of your life and let you tell your own story. Um so where were you born and what was the first, you know, 10 years of your life like?
3: Uh good, great question. I I was uh I was born in Liberia, West Africa in 1979. Seems like ages ago. Um, And the first 10 years of my life were, I lived a pretty, I would say a pretty privileged life because my father was the assistant director for the Secret Service of the country. And my father had done uh, that job for three different presidents. And uh, the last one, the, the, the last one, President Samuel Doe, no relation to me, was a military dictator who had overthrown the government in 1980. And so the 80s were, in Liberia, were, were very difficult for most people, but I was privileged to live an upper, I would say an upper middle class life, where I had someone to cut our grass, someone to help me with my homework, we had a driver, we had people to cook for us and everything, so, and I attended a private school. Uh, so the 80s were pretty pretty good up until 1988, when my mother mysteriously was, um, my mother uh, got ill uh, mysteriously and and actually died a month before my ninth birthday. Um, as the as that year went on, after my mother died, uh, immediately after that that year, Liberia fell into a a deep crisis, a civil war, because President Doe had shifted from being a mil- military dictator to rigging the elections and uh, uh, became president, uh, changed the constitution and everything else. And so there were always instances where people were trying to get rid of him. But this time in 1990, Charles Taylor, a man who, who trained soldiers in the north of Liberia and started a, started a civil war um, in early 1990. And Taylor's aim was to get rid, get rid of President Doe and anyone who worked in government. And within six months, Liberia is not a very big country. So within six months of Mr. Taylor launching the attack against the country, he had taken over 80 percent of Liberia. And uh, he was down in the capital city on the outskirts of the city where we live. The capital city is Monrovia. And uh, things got pretty dire because what we found out was Taylor and his forces were actually uh, doing a form of ethnic cleansing And they were killing people from a certain tribe, from President Doe's tribe, anyone with the last name Doe, and uh, anyone who worked for the government. Uh, So under two of those three counts, we knew that we were in danger of being killed because Mm -hmm. of my father's profession and my my last name.
0: And so to protect you, your dad um, sends you to live somewhere else for a period of time. Um, Yeah. Uh, So so let's talk about that and then and then tell our listeners. And again, I'm talking with Marcus Doe. He's the author of Catching Rice Birds. You can find um, more information at catchingricebirds.com. Tell us uh, tell us where you move and who you live with. And then tell us about the letter you receive from your brother, Lemuel.
3: Okay. Uh, so I my father sat us down and said, we all have to go into hiding. So he sent me to live with my older brother uh, just across town. So we left home and uh, I left home to live with my older brother. The civil war finally reached our neighborhood. Many, many people were killed. Uh, I was in danger of being killed more than a few times. Uh, we were down to one meal a day for about six months uh, in hiding in the war. Uh, The rest of the West African countries actually sent peacekeepers to Liberia at the end of 1990, and that's how we were able to escape Liberia. So I escaped Liberia uh, in November of 1990 and became a refugee in another country, Ghana. Well, while we lived in Ghana, we lived in Ghana for about a year and a half when my brother and his wife, the only family members I knew were still alive, decided they were going to go back to Liberia because things had calmed down to find other family members that they thought would still be alive. Uh, So they went back. I stayed in Ghana. And when my brother returned a few months later, he brought me a letter uh, with the handwriting of another brother of mine, uh, whom I hadn't seen in a couple of years at that point, uh, telling me that my father had been, kept. my father turned himself into the rebels, uh, Charles Taylor's forces, and he was killed. So within 16 months, uh, my mother died, and my father had been killed, and I was an orphan, and I didn't know it. And so that changed my world, uh, changed my world very drastically. At that point, I was attending Iwana groups, going to church, and being a happy, trying to be as happy as I could as an 11-year-old. Uh, after I received that news, I, I recognized that my life was going to be greatly changed. And so I uh, made the made the proclamation or the promise to myself that I was going to find a man who killed my my father and made me an orphan, and I was going to kill him, um, and that would have been that's that that became my life's goal. I would say, at so, eleven or so, twelve years old.
0: So, Marcus, we're going to pause right there because um, we'd take a brief break. Let me just tell our listeners this: um, Marcus then spent sixteen years plotting murder. Um, we'll be right back.
1: Your
3: plans to prosper. You've not forget-
0: Talking with Marcus Doe, we're talking about uh, his life story, also his book, Catching Rice Birds, a story of letting vengeance go. You can find out more information at catchingricebirds.com. Uh, Marcus, from the age of 12 to the age of 28, um, you spend a lot of time talking to an empty chair. Tell people about that.
3: Uh, yeah, after I decided that I was going to find a man who made me an orphan and and kill him, I, I I mean, I just had a lot of hatred. I can describe that time of my life as just living under a cloud of uncertainty, uncertainty and complete hatred, and I barely graduated. I immigrated to the United States um, at 14 and barely graduated high school here, but I didn't do well in school because... I just, I just, the trauma and the unforgiveness was just in my heart. I went to church and sat in the back of the church and really didn't, didn't, it didn't connect to me because I had this unforgiveness in my heart. And so I lived through my twenties, graduated college. And at some point in my early twenties, I was reading the Bible and uh, Matthew chapter six, verse 14 and 15, you know, says, if you do not forgive others, your heavenly father will not forgive you. But if you do forgive your heavenly father will forgive you. So I kept that verse, that verse, I think, hit me like a, just like a ton of bricks. And, um, uh, I started to think about how I was going to live differently, uh, in the world. And so I started to practice in my, in my one bedroom apartment here in Denver, um, forgiving the man who I hated so much, um, and sitting in my living room, I would pull on an empty chair and pretend like I was talking to him. And I did that for four or five years. And some of those conversations, were, I mean, it was, it was just me, but some of those conversations ended in tears. Some of them ended in anger. Some of them ended in just complete sadness, and 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 then and, and, and yeah, re, re, repentance. Um, I was I was pretty heartbroken that I knew that I needed to make this decision, and it was the hardest decision in my life because this man who I did not know. Had driven my life for so long. I was so angry and so hateful that all of my relationships were completely shallow. I had one life goal, so I made the decision uh, in 2010, after being away from Liberia for 20 years, to go back to Liberia and and actually enact this conversation that I've been practicing. Um, and a side note. I hadn't seen my siblings. I'm the last of six children, and I hadn't seen my siblings in 20 years. So the war in Liberia had calmed down and things were better, uh, they had had elections. And I bought a ticket and went back to Liberia with this goal of finding the man to, that had killed my dad to tell him that I forgave him. And I imagined just embracing him. And I, I didn't know how he would respond. I didn't know if he'd be angry or you know, despondent or whatever. Are receptive to my to my uh, to my call, and it's so
0: during that, this trip to yeah, it's during this trip to Liberia that you discover that um, that that person that you had been rehearsing a conversation with had actually been dead at that point for for many years. So maybe tell us um, the the story of the barber shop where it just really feels like empathy develops in a really unique way.
3: Absolutely. So while I was in Liberia, I, I strolled across the street and went to a, a local barbershop, which is not anything fancy, just a little, you know, a box on the side of the road. And I sat in the company of a few men uh, and I I waited my turn, got my hair cut. As I'm getting my hair cut, the guy started talking and I realized all these guys were former rebels and they were former child soldiers who had participated in a war. And some of them had killed many people. And I'm sitting there getting my haircut and the the barber was using a razor because I mean like a straight razor and he held it to my neck. And at that point he, and they asked me, you know, who are you? Where are you from? We've never seen you before. And I said, my name is Marcus Doe. Mm. And when I said, when I said my name, they recognized that I was one of the people that they had been looking for years before to kill and these guys would have killed me and i developed a sense of yeah like i developed a sense of empathy towards them because i realized they were my age at 30 31 and they had they didn't have a future and they wanted to be forgiven and they wanted to participate in society but they didn't have the means to they needed someone to kind of welcome them back into society and so I realized that they were no different than me. They were not the monsters that I had seen 20 years or imagined for years. Uh, so I just, I, tears filled in my eyes and tears filled in their eyes as we shared, you know, the opposite sides of what the war had been like for all of us. And it was a very healing moment for me. It actually was, I think, better than what I had imagined. The conversation would have gone if I had met the man who had who had killed my dad and some of them were you know people who said yeah you know we were looking for people like you to kill but not anymore so i told them i said you know liberia will never forget you i will never forget you and they took me seriously because they understood how much i had lost in the war and for someone like me who had lost so much in the war to come back and say forgiveness is a message that we need to have had a had a gracious impact and they asked me why did i want to forgive them and i told them that because jesus christ had forgiven me of my sins, who am I to hold it against them for things they had done? And I and I make sure I reiterated that I don't think human beings should be judged by the worst moments of their life, because if God judged us based on the worst moments of our lives, none of us uh, will be eligible for any kind of eternal salvation.
0: So, Marcus, um, I... The book, the book is wonderful. Um, there's also a great video at the website. If folks want to watch that, again, catchingricebirds.com. Um, why don't we uh, Why don't we conclude by um, telling people what a rice bird is?
3: <laughs> a, oh, man, uh, so uh, growing up in West Africa, in the evenings in sub-Saharan Africa, there is a particular bird that comes and fills the trees. There are hundreds of thousands of them. And they 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 chirp in a way that creates a musical rhythm that I think uh, was the soundtrack of my of my childhood. And so in the evenings, my brothers and I would set this rudimentary trap in the backyard with a, just a tub and a stick and, and rope, and put some rice on the ground. And these birds, librarians would call them rice birds, but their scientific name is a village weaver. Uh, They would come and land on the ground, and they would start to eat the rice, and somehow they would end up underneath our trap. And I would pull the rope, and the trap would fall, and I would capture a few birds. And to me, that's a metaphor for my life where I felt like I lived in darkness for so long. But Jesus' hand, just like my little hand, would reach underneath the trap and pull the birds out and set them free, Jesus' hand reached into darkness and pulled me out and set me free. Uh, Set me free mentally, physically, and emotionally. Um, My life has completely turned upside down since I decided to forgive and invite Christ into my life, and that's what a rice bird is.
0: So there's a lot of people right now, uh, Marcus, who uh, are lifting up Psalm 91, and as I was reflecting on your story and the conversation we would have today— the verse about God surely saving you from the fowler's snare—that's exactly what that bird trap is. And um, I just felt like, you know, Psalm ninety-one, these opening three verses. Um, this is you, and this is um, this is a this is a gift to be able to talk with you today. Thank you for your testimony. Um, it's a it's a thrill to count you as a brother. I love the mission you're now on to help other people um, live a, a life free of that life-controlling vengeance that can take over the human heart and soul and really encouraging people to live into the forgiveness that is offered to uh, to each and every one of us in Jesus Christ. So, Marcus, thank you so very much. The book uh, and the website are catchingricebirds.com. We appreciate your being with us today.
3: Thank you, Carmen. It was good Absolutely. to Absolutely.
0: We'll be right back. Okay, so if you have a life verse or maybe you have uh, a, a portion of the Bible that really just speaks to you in a particular way, it encapsulates your story. You find your, um, you find some meaning in it beyond what others might see or hear. Um, you know, for Marcus Doe, that might be uh, Psalm 91, verse 3. What is your life verse? Mine is Galatians 2.20. I encourage you to give some consideration to uh, to your life verse today, maybe to um, your life song or your walk-up song, the song that comes to you when um, when you think of, of life and maybe when you think of the freedom that has been granted to you in Christ Jesus or the way ahead or this moment in time. Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, took to uh, Twitter to post the song that came to him during his self-isolation. Others have done the same. Just encourage you to give that some consideration and thought today. What what's your life song? How does it sing? What's your life verse? How are you living into it today? Where in the word are you uh, today? Let me know. Uh, Email me, Carmen at myfaithradio.com. You can grab the podcast of today's show. Later today, be a missionary of the program by sending it to someone else. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio.